0: So so what I'm going to be doing is talking about the greatest story. So the greatest story. I mean, this is Christmas. It's the new year. What is the greatest story? It's the birth of Jesus. Right? It's always about Jesus. The greatest story. So the greatest story is what? God so loved the world that he he gave. He gave. He gave. And Christmas is about what? Giving. Giving in the spirit of, of God the Father himself. Yesterday, my wife and I, we're, we're driving up here today and uh, we live, well, we, we used to live in Dubois. Now we live about 15 minutes outside of Dubois. And uh, we are in the same place that, that uh, your pastor is in, in that we are both selling houses at the lake. Uh, don't tell him I'm showing mine tomorrow. (laughs) By the way, I like your hat. I've got one over here and I was like, I ought to put it on and just preach in it. I love, I love it. Yeah. Keeps the shine down too. So so we're in this transition and and we're moving and and you know, we're when we go back today we're gonna stop at the, the lake house. See we have a lake house and a country home sort of like a rich person's problem. And uh, and so we're going to go home and load a few things up because we want to get some more other stuff out of the house before we show it, just some of the boxes and things that we have laying around. But yesterday we went and had Christmas at our daughter's house along with our great-grandchildren which were 3s, 4, 4. There there and then our daughter and her husband and her children, and their spouses. And we got there at 10 o'clock and got home about 7 o'clock last night. And I'm tired. I actually said to my daughter, do you mind if I go up to your spare bedroom and take a nap? I was like, I'm I'm too old for this. But for God so loved the world that He gave it. I mean, He gave the gift of love and the gift of loving. In Matthew... In Matthew uh, 5, 43 and 44, Jesus says, You have heard what the law says to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You ever wondered, who are my enemies? Now, sometimes I know it is your spouse, right? Sometimes it feels like your spouse. And in my case, it's usually me. This house has caused a little friction between my wife and myself. What we're taking when? We have a cat. And the cat is in the lake house. We have not brought her to the new house yet. But 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 who are our enemies? You know, it's people that we don't like. It's It's people who are different than us. People who have hair, maybe. It's those people that we don't understand. And there's a lot of people in this world that we just don't understand. Yesterday, one of the people that I that was at my daughter's house, her neighbor, was there, Shelly. Shelley, her nineteen year old daughter, was killed in a car accident a few months ago. Her husband has left her. She's alone. And so she was over. And with her was a young man. He's 25, I guess. He's from Germany, and he was their exchange student many years ago when I pastored in that town. And so Patrick was there. And after dinner last night, I had the, I decided I would ask Patrick what do they think about us in the Germany. And he says they don't like Trump. And I said, well, there's a lot of people in this country who doesn't like Trump either. He said, the other thing, we don't like guns, and we think that you are gun crazy over here. Do you think that's true? But, you know, I mean, so, so we got into that discussion, and he has some really different ideas. Now, I don't know where he lives in Germany. But I was thinking if he was in western Pennsylvania talking to people about guns, he's talking to the wrong people. In fact, my granddaughter's fiancé said that he has 60-some guns. And I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, I got one for this, and I got one for the other thing, and I'm thinking... I mean, he's 25 years old and he's got 60-some guns. <coughs> What's he going to be like when he reaches my age? <laughs> but, you know, and I, what I realized was there's a great cultural difference between this young man from Germany and, and the, his same age counterparts in this country. And how do we deal with that? And we got talking about immigration, you know, immigration is all right in California and Mexico or in, uh, in New Mexico and Arizona and Texas, but don't bring it here, right? I think sometimes that's the way we feel. We don't, even, we don't even notice it. But having lived in other places, having been overseas and in other countries, I was in China, and one of the people that we were with said to me, well, Bernie, you're white. I said, What? You're white. And I'm like, I never thought about me that way. You realize that? I mean, I was like, I was with Chinese people. I just thought we were all alike. And they said, no, we are Chinese. You're white. Wow. Wow. But Jesus says we're to love everyone. The ones we disagree with. The ones who are flat out wrong about more than a couple things. We're to love them. We're to love them. The question that I have learned to ask people, and I ask this of my wife, I ask it of my children, is if I were loving you right now, what would that look like? Because love is is something that you determine is loving. In other words, if I go out and buy you a gun... And I did that. I bought a a hatchet for my wife one year. Do you know how that went over? I thought she needed it to split kindling wood. She told me she would split my head with it. But seriously, how do you know how to love someone if you don't talk their language, their love language? One of the ways that I can love my wife is put my clothes in the hamper. I do. Don't be shaking your head going, that's my wife over there, by the way. Burn in hell. That's her. <laughs> Short for Helen. <clears throat> Look, Jesus said in John 13, 35, you love, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Here's what C.S. Lewis said, and, I, and I, this just came up in my Facebook feed because I posted it once in Facebook. He said, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find out one of the greatest secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will come to love them. I know from marriage counseling, one of the things that I've encouraged couples to do when they're having a difficult time is do loving things for each other. Because what happens is it changes you on the inside. Do loving things for your neighbors. We are in a new neighborhood. We don't know our neighbors. I say I don't know my neighbors. I've met two of them. The the guy on my one side, his name is Mike. And I saw Mike the other day. Mike's a pretty big, tall kid. You know, really taller than me. And I said, Mike, I met Kevin, or Ken, across the street. He said, oh, you met Ken and his woman. Oh, what does that mean? (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Well, I'm going to invite everybody to the house for a party and and see how they all get along. But if we're to love our neighbors, we're supposed to love all of them, not the ones that are perfect. Because they don't live next door to you anyway. They don't even live with you. So, so, so the question becomes, <clears throat> what would love look like? I have another confession to make. Please don't tell Tim this. Tim sent me a note. He said, Bernie, you have 45 minutes. Don't spoil them and take less. <laughs> that was recorded? That was recorded. It's not, it's not live on air, though. He... <laughs> All right, Tim, I'm probably going to take less. Maybe. But, but what would love look like? What does it really look like? I mean, for loving you wouldn't be the same as loving Kevin, right? Loving my wife wouldn't be the same as loving someone else. And so, the question of what does it look like? And and I think that the first thing that it's going to look like is it's going to look a lot like Jesus. Really. And how do I know that? Because if you read and study the life of Jesus, Jesus loved everyone. He was hard on some, though that's true, but He loved everyone. In fact, He loved the people that the religious people didn't love. Right? I've often thought about the the story of the woman that was caught in adultery, and she is there. But I was wondering, what would be be the story if that person was caught in homosexuality? What would Jesus have done? What would Jesus have done if that was a transgender person? You see, if we're going to love like Jesus, we're going to have to figure out how to do that. And one of the things that I've learned is that I have issues. (coughs) I never knew I had issues until I learned that I did. I'm just saying, you know. I, I remember interviewing a young man for a job in a mental health facility, and that guy had an earring. An earring. He had a three-piece suit on, but he had an earring. And I'm like, no way are we hiring that guy, because he's a rebel, he's a, he's a, well, he's just a lot of things that I can't say. Who had the problem? So I went out that night and got my ear pierced. (laughs) And occasionally I still will wear an earring, you know, tattoos. Um, Tattoos, I mean, they're just terrible things too, right? I saw a great, great thing the other day about tattoos. I mean, why get a tattoo? After all, would you put a bumper sticker on a Ferrari? I told that to my daughter, and she goes, Well, Dad, that's true, but you don't own a Ferrari anymore, do you? <laughs> but I have tattoos. I have two tattoos. I might get a third. I don't know where it will go, but I might out of third. I know an Alliance pastor that has the Alliance logo on his calf. He's a real company guy. But seriously. See, what would love look like It's going to look a lot like Jesus. It will be how we act. It will be how we talk. It will be how we love others. It will be something that we're going to have to practice. And I think that as we head into a new year, it's a great thing to start practicing more than what we are doing. One of the things that I've learned that with change is, is that we have to, what, what we think we are doing in change is not change. We have to exaggerate it to actually make it work. Does that make sense? You have to exaggerate what you're doing in order to make it work. It will be something that we must become. So as we practice it, we become that. I have a keyboard. Well, I don't have it right now. Actually, a friend of mine borrowed it for one of the churches. But I'm supposed to get it back. And I love sitting at the keyboard and playing chords. Just putting guitar music up and playing guitar chords. I love that. And the more I do it, I am becoming better at it. How do I know? Because my wife leaves the door open now. But if we're going to become something, we must practice it. Love isn't something that we just fall into. Loving others is hard. It's really hard. It's easy to love the kind people, the lovely people, the humble people. But what about the rude ones, the obnoxious ones, the self-centered ones? The self absorbed ones that we meet every day. You meet them everywhere. We stopped at Sheets on the way here. By the way, gas in Du Boys is two twenty nine. And with your Sheets card and stuff, it's down to two twenty-one. So yeah, we rock. <laughs> but you know, I'm going into the store and the people in front of me went through the door and I think they shut it. It was inconsiderate. Maybe they didn't even know. I don't know. But I've, but it's easy to love the ones that are nice. Go in Walmart and certain times of the month and you go, where do these people come from? The ones that reach in front of you and, and, and push you out of the way because they're getting something. How do you love them? God's idea isn't that we would just give and receive love, but that would, we actually would become love. We would become love. That's what Jesus is. He is love. He is He is the representation of God the Father who is love. And that's who God has called us to be. Can you imagine what would happen if the reputation of Oil City Alliance Church was I don't know who those people are, but they love us. Wouldn't that be awesome? Because what would happen is people would start to say, tell me why do you love us? Because God loves you. And right now, I am the only representation of the gospel and Jesus and the Father in your life. Have you ever had someone say to you, you've got something that I want, and it's Jesus? That's what we need to share. That's what we need to live out. We have to tackle a good amount of fear to love people who are different. It's hard to love people who are different. My daughter said to me the other, da- the other day, she said, Dad, you're a little OCD, aren't you? Me? Never. Yeah, probably. But think about it. If you're sitting here, you're little OCD you don't tell tolerate people who aren't. You don't get them. I mean, your life goes like a whirlwind. And you don't sit down. And you think anyone that sits down is a sluggard. Right? We don't tolerate people that are different. I've worked with people that are, that are like slow. I don't mean, I mean they're physically slow. I'm going to get the hammer. I'll be right back. Are you kidding me? Get the hammer. Let's go. We got a job to finish. God says to love them. My son-in-law, it's comical to me because my son-in-law is a contractor. Okay? And he is not a good person to work with because he is demanding. And the interesting part is his son who now works with him is just as bad. In fact, they were at my house, my new house working. They didn't want me around because I would get in the way. <laughs> I felt very unloved. <laughs> but seriously, loving, loving people, you're going to have to battle your stuff, your fears. I think, I think what David said, you know, search me, O Lord, and, and know what's in my heart. Why? Because we need to know what the obstacles are in us in order that we might then love others. It's not always easy to love others. Here's something. Love people of other faiths. It's hard. It's hard. Love a Baptist. I mean, I I was... I didn't come to Christ and I've shared this I'm sure before, but I didn't come to Christ until I was 33. And I grew up Catholic. And I was a good Catholic. I did the required number of Masses. And I got baptized. And I was confirmed. And and all of that stuff. And so I was on my way to heaven anyway. You weren't. <clears throat> That's what we believed. We believed that if you weren't Catholic, you didn't come. Any other Catholics in here? Yeah. John? Oh, a few of you? dometoscope. Um and that's that is not domedoscope frisk them either, okay? But when I came to Christ, I actually became more of a Baptist. And I became so stupid. And what I mean by that is that I was right on so many subjects. I was right on what Bible translation. I was right on how you said the prayer to get saved, and I was right on all of these things, and I came to a place in my life that I realized I had put people away from the gospel and not drawn them to the gospel, and that's sad, but you see, I hadn't learned how to love people, I was more interested in them being right, I'm not that way anymore, praise God, you see, if you really want to meet Jesus, you're going to have to get a lot closer to the people he created, I worked for a number of years with a chronically mentally ill. That's why I went into pastoring. It's group therapy, folks. It's group therapy. No, but seriously, I love the chronically mentally ill, but I had people in one of the churches that we had a guy that had schizophrenia, and he would come and sit in the front row. His name was Mike, and Mike, just a great guy. He He just had problems. He had mental health issues, and he'd sit on the front row and talk. Not to anyone particular, but just whoever he saw. And I had elders would come up, and we don't want this guy in our church. Why not? Jesus died for him as much as he died for anyone else. But he was different. He was different. And you see, if we're going to love people, we're going to have to get closer to the ones that he made. And we're going to have to try to love them in a way that, that demonstrates that not hides them off into a closet. If I'm only willing to, to love people who are nice to me, the ones who see things the way I do and avoid all the rest, it's, it's like reading every other page of the Bible. It's not doing what God has called us to do. It's doing what I think I want to do because it's easier. Do you think it was easy for Jesus to go to the cross? And yet he did it for Who? For you, 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 you. He did it for you. He did it for me. What time do you normally get out of here? What? (laughs) Do you say two? (laughs) John said two. Noon. You're going to get out earlier today. That will be good so you can get to the restaurant quicker. Beat that other church. Jesus wrapped up this concept of loving, uh, simply calling us to follow Him. In other words, love Him. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. That's what Jesus said. Love God. Love yourself. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. How How easy is that? You know, one of the things, and I just said it, and I and I sort of heard myself say it and I wasn't planning on saying it, but one of the greatest problems we have in loving others is that we don't love us. That's a real issue. We don't love us. There's a song you say. Who sings that? Lauren? It's a great song, but do you know how many people resonate with that song? Because they have been dealing their lifetime with what others have said or they believe others have said or felt about them. They don't even love themselves. I talked to two young women recently about doing that song as a special. And both of them said, I don't know if I can get through it. Why? By the way, I walk a lot. <laughs> I just realized I've probably, I haven't stopped. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know how not to do that. <clears throat> I was the kid in the classroom that was, but we have a trouble, we have trouble loving ourselves. And sometimes what, what we're really doing when we think we are loving others, we're really trying to get them to love us. And it's really not about loving them. It's about love. we're hurting so bad. And if that's you, you need to work on that. You need to take that song. And I love music because music ministers to me. That's what I loved about your worship this morning. It ministers to me. I can get lost in it. See, if you can find a way to love difficult people more, you'll be living the life that Jesus talked about. Look, he wants the greatest story ever told to be the story to others. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Right? Go into all the world. Go into all the world. Where is that? Right now it's Oil City. Maybe it's somewhere else around here. Do you know we live in a culture that we don't know our neighbors anymore? We live in a culture that we work 30 miles or 40 miles or whatever from our homes. And we know people in our company, but we don't know anyone or that live around us. And if you have children, that helps because that connects you with people. But if you're like me, my children are old. My oldest daughter's 53. She's a grandmother. I never knew I would have kids that would be grandparents. I mean, think about that. It doesn't make sense. You know, my little two-year-old kid grew up to be a grandmother. Wow! You know what that makes me? It makes me that I'm living with a great-grandmother. Listen, in order to love people where they are, you're going to have to engage them where they are. It's not about when you come over here, come to our church, we'll love you here. No, go out there and love them. Find out where they are and love them right there. Connect with them right there. I saw on Facebook, oh, man, I don't know, I hope no one here is like this, but There is so much that just should not be posted on Facebook. I'm like, are you kidding me? Some lady, maybe it was a guy, I don't know, a person. Could have been a young person. Could have been an old person. Doesn't matter what kind of person. But they posted a thing. They'd gone to the tax collector's office to to pay their taxes, whatever. And they just ranked this person out for the condition of their home for the smell for the decor for everything and I'm going are you kidding me are you kidding me one of the things that I've learned in I in, in in working in with people not just from ministry ministry but mental health work that some people that's the best they have and I gotta love them there I remember going into a home and sitting down and there, you could see through the floor into the dirt. And this is in, the, in Pennsylvania. It wasn't in Dominican. And, and I could see the dirt, and the, it was terrible. It was, it was like a chicken coop. And they said, Bernie, you want coffee? Yeah, I'll, I'll have coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I had coffee. Why? Because I wanted to honor them. They were honoring me with giving me a cup of coffee. What would Jesus have done? And I hate that statement, what would Jesus do, kind of thing. But see, loving people is loving them in in their environment. Loving them where they live. Jesus spent his whole life engaging people. I saw something the other day that said, if you want to love people, talk to them. Talk to them. My kids, even my grandchildren, now say, "Grandpa, is there anyone you don't know? Oh, I didn't know that person. Well, you talked the way you did? Like you did? I didn't. I don't know him. I just, I just talk. I just, I just get into conversation with anyone. Because I'm looking. Maybe Jesus has been talking to him, and I'm the guy that's supposed to carry the conversation on. I don't know. Anyone else like that? Yeah. All right, dude, man, good." Keep it up, the rest of you. Follow them, get in groups, and start learning how to talk to people. But it's so important. Jesus lived his entire life engaging people where they were at. He didn't say, come to the synagogue and we'll talk. He just sat down with them and said, how are you? How you doing? Why do we have such a hard time doing that? What do we fear? What do we fear? Maybe they won't like us. Maybe we'll feel stupid. Maybe they'll make fun of us. Whatever. Forget it. Forget it. You see, the end game of Jesus, the end game of Jesus, that clock hasn't moved. Really? Are you playing with the clock up there? The end game for Jesus has always been the same. That's why Matthew 28 says, in the Bible, right? Because Jesus said, "Go, you go, you go to others. You go tell them about me. You go tell them about me." He, he wants you. To, he wants us to love people who are near, and he wants us to love people who are far away. How are they going to hear if we're not telling them? There was a time. Oh, we used to take tracks. Everybody know what a track is? A little gospel track. And we'd go to Sears or Penny's or Ames or James Way or whatever those stores were. And we would put them in pockets in the clothes rack. We'd have 50. We'd go to the mall. We'd pass them out. We'd put them in the hay. you know, the shirts hanging on on the rack, put a track in it. Pants, put a track in it. Blankets, slide one in. That's a poor substitute for talking to people. It really, really is. And one of the best ways you can talk is in your walk. How you talk is in your walk. You can quote that. I like that. Write that down, honey. Your talk is in your walk. What does your walk look like? What does it look like? Look, it's always about a lifestyle. It's always about a lifestyle. And the question becomes, what is is your lifestyle that others see. You see, what you think you have and what others see can be entirely different. The greatest message that God has is your story. How God is working in your life. How God is working through your tragedy. Shortly after we did Tessa's funeral, the 19-year-old girl who was killed in an accident, I got a call, a young man, 40 years old, suddenly passed away. I mean, bang. Left behind three children. And you know, they're hurting. Those moms are hurting. Those children are hurting. Some of you may have experienced that. We, You're hurting, but your story can bring life into someone else's hurt. Yesterday morning, there was a young man killed in a car accident across the road from us. We woke up in the morning and heard something and saw lights and I believe he was 27. He was about five miles from home. Your story, I don't care what kind of a story you've got. Maybe it's divorce. Your story and how God has worked in your life can be the story that someone else needs. The way that he's loved you through difficult times is the story that someone else is going to have to hear. And part of your healing is telling your story. You see, when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the gospel is the one in your life. Yes, it's everything within the word, but it's how the word has been in your life. Regurgitate it. Tell it when you're sitting down, standing up, walking about. Let it be real in your life, not just here, but out there all the time. That's what Deuteronomy says. Deuteronomy says, teach them to your children. What? Teach them the story of how God has worked in your life. Talk about it when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Talk about how God has worked in your life, how he's worked through disappointments. There was a time in our life we had been out of ministry for years and there was a song that came out and I don't don't know when it came out. I mean, I heard it. And it was, he'll do it again. He'll do it again for you. He's the same now as then. And I love that song. In fact, it's on my phone. I still have it. (coughs) Because that song would encourage me. And there was a lady in in the church that we were at that would sing that and make the walls shake. It was awesome. And I'll tell you what, when she sang it, it was like God was speaking to me that I will do it again. Trust me. Wait on me. What was it? Eight years? But you see, I do believe that God will do it again. Just like he rescued Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. He'll do it again. If you're in the fire, he'll do it again. He'll take you out of the fire. You see, it's a lifestyle. The lifestyle of what God has done in our lives. The lifestyle of what love in our life looks like to the world. These are the most important things that any of us can, can lead and, and remember with. What does that lifestyle look like? Live like Jesus lived. Live like he lived. Live like he lived. Love others like Jesus loved others. And if you don't know how, ask Him. Lord, how do I love this person? How do I do that? And wait for an answer. And He'll give you one. I trust you. Trust it. He'll give you the answer. And you won't like it, probably. <laughs> That's what happens. Oh, you got to be kidding me. That can't be God. That must have been the ravioli I had for dinner or something. Lead like Jesus led. Gather people around you and lead them. And the last thing is leave behind what Jesus left behind. Here's the question for you. What are you leaving behind? If you suddenly died today, what would you leave behind? What would the memory be, the impact be on others? You see, ultimately, God has created us for one purpose. And it's not about us. It's about others. You may be the only gospel in someone's life. Are you fulfilling the mission that God has given you in that person's life? Live like Jesus lived. Love like Jesus loved. Lead others the way Jesus led others. How did he do that? He prepared them for his departure. Prepared them. The church that I, I'm i a part of, over, a little over two years ago, the lead pastor, the founding pastor of that church, suddenly at 54 passed away. Boom. And for the next year, we grew. For the next year, the leadership team came together because these words were the words that he would often say. Love like Jesus loved. Lead others the way Jesus led others. Live like He lived. And His last message, leave behind what Jesus left behind. That was His last message. and He did. He did. The leadership team took that, that tragedy and pulled it together. And for the next year, we grew powerful, powerful time of the Holy Spirit working. It wasn't one person. It was the team of people coming together to accomplish the work of the gospel in that place. The greatest story, the greatest story that's ever been told is the one that's being told through your life. And as we go into 2019, make that story be one that you repeat and repeat and repeat. Why? Because I believe the time is short. I know my time is short. And I, I want to be doing what God has been calling me to do for today. And when tomorrow gets here, I want to repeat that. Do you have a story to tell? God is asking that you tell it. Tell it here. Tell it there. Tell it everywhere. Open doors for Jesus. He's waiting on you. I'm going to pray. That's what I'm going to do. As the worship team comes, I'll pray. Father, the most important asset that you have is us. Jesus left this earth with the instructions given to us to take the gospel message and that gospel message is the one that's in our heart. Help us, Father, to overcome those insecurities. Help us to overcome those fears. Help us to overcome those obstacles that keep us from loving others and telling the story. Even today, Father, as we leave here today, open doors that we might walk through with your gospel message in Jesus' name.